Well, hey, this morning we are in for a treat today. Uh, my friend Jim Dalrymple from Ozark Christian College is here to share with us uh, this morning. Um, this was kind of a, a God encounter. I was at, in Joplin for a conference, sitting at Starbucks, and Jim walked in. And it was like, hey, friend. And I've known Jim. We were in college together very briefly. For like a year, we overlapped. I'm older than him by a few years. And then he, grad- he went straight to seminary, and I had about a six-year delay, so he graduated before me. Uh, but we both did our, our undergrad and master's work in the same schools. Uh, so Jim and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, he was the first one to invite me to part of a preaching planning retreat that he put on. And so it was cool to hang out with him and a bunch of other preachers and kind of plan our stuff out for a year. Uh, more than that, though, he's a dear brother in Christ, uh, works at the school in their development department, and uh, just ran into him at Starbucks and like, hey, would you be willing to come, you know, preach at Chapel Rock if next time you're up in the Indy area? Sure. And so we landed on a date, and lo and behold, we had a baby. So it worked out great. Um, where was, this had been on the calendar for like, you know, a year, uh, and, but we're, we're excited about that. And so I really want to ask you to welcome uh, my friend Jim to preach to us today. I can't help but follow that up by saying the odds are that I could hit a date when you're going to be having a child, but... <laughs> Well, we do want to welcome you here, and I do bring greetings from Ozark Christian College. If you're not familiar with the college, not much to say about it this morning other than this. God is doing incredible things through a small college in Joplin, Missouri, where we train men and women for Christian service. We've been doing that for over 75 years. We have alum who are in all 50 states and alum who are serving all around the world, serving the kingdom. We're thankful to be just that small part in God's big kingdom. So thank you for your partnership. You have partnered with that college as well as other Christian colleges, especially ministry training schools like Ozark. So thank you. We want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. You are in a series entitled The Secrets of the Kingdom. And I got to tell you, I have three kids who love secrets. My, my three kids will um, at times need, need me to get their attention. And it's maybe just a cruel fatherly tactic, but I, I, one of the ways that I can do that is, is by walking up to them and saying, hey kids, mom and dad have a secret. Snap, all of a sudden their attention is there, right? Now, I think my four-year-old, we have, we have three, 11-year-old Grace, eight-year-old Sawyer, and four-year-old Ellie. Pray for my son, he's in the middle. Four-year-old Ellie has picked up on the fact that from time to time, mom and dad have used this trick of how to get the attention of the family. We have a secret. For instance, we're going to grandma's house for spring break in another week. They don't necessarily know all the details. Uh, she lives in Tampa, Florida. It's not worth telling them because they'll just be rowdy all week and it'll be hard. to. So, you know, we're going to tell them a secret. Get in the car. We have some secrets to tell you. We can alter a kid's life with a secret. Now, again, four-year-old Ellie's picked up on this. So sometimes at the dinner table, she'll be like, guys, 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 I have a secret. Her secrets are one of those that the other two kids really have picked up on. They don't really want to pay attention to, right? And so they'll just keep talking. And the youngest, some of your youngest here, and you know how this goes, she just keeps getting louder and louder. Guys, 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 I have a secret. And then she'll just blur out the secret for everyone to hear. At which point you go, it's not really a secret. Now Jesus has been talking about the secrets of the kingdom, but he doesn't seem to be all that quiet about it. Here's the catch. The question is, are you listening? Or are you missing the secrets? 
Now, that word secret is interesting because it's also the word where we get the word mystery. The word is used throughout the New Testament, and and other New Testament writers pick up on this word mystery because Jesus' kingdom, Jesus himself, doesn't look like they expected him to. I mean, they expected his kingdom to be different. They expected the king to be different. And sometimes we start to wonder if we missed out on a secret somehow. Because sometimes we have expectations of Jesus that he doesn't live up to. I mean, sometimes we try to conform Jesus into what we want rather than conforming ourselves into what Jesus wants. So can I let you in on a secret today? There's, There's a few secrets that we'll have that we'll see in the text as well as that will come in the room. So Jesus has said in Matthew 13, 11, we're kind of rewinding the tape a little bit, the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you. Now, over the last couple of weeks, you've heard that these secrets were, were planted in soil. These seeds were planted in soil, but not all the, the soils were going to respond favorably. Some of them will be like a rocky path. Some of them like rocky soil. Some of them will have thorns. They'll grow up and choke them out. Could you imagine how the disciples feel in this moment? Wait, I thought this was going to be like a positive kingdom, like just grow and be easy. Like the Messiah was going to come in and he's going to ride in on a white horse and, and he's going to take his throne and we're going to sit on his right or his left. Let's fight about that. And, and this kingdom is going to be easy. No, wait, not everyone's going to say yes. That's not how it was supposed to be, Jesus. Wait a second. You're breaking my expectations. It's a mystery. You learned last week that the weeds, even weeds, the kind of weed that Jesus talks about, looks like the wheat. These two things are going to grow up at the same time, and and Jesus, the Messiah, is going to let them grow at the same time. This false teaching and those who buy into this false teaching at the same time, Jesus, that's not how it's supposed to be. The Messiah is supposed to come in and vanquish all of his enemies, and Jesus, this isn't how the kingdom's supposed to look. In our text today, at the end, Jesus is going to go on, and he's going to say this, um, he's going he's gonna to fulfill this, excuse me, Matthew 13, 34. All these things Jesus said to the crowd in parables. And you've heard these parables already. Parables do two things for us. Can I have you remember these two things? Parables, number one, teach us. But number two, they test us. Parables teach us some things about the kingdom, some secrets. But they also test us to determine whether or not we're listening, whether or not our heart is ready to receive that teaching. So so parables are these things we need to listen to. Jesus said to the crowd in parables, indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet in this sense, the, the Psalms. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been, this word hidden is where we get our word cryptic, what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. God, that's a long time to keep a secret. Here's the irony is that as this secret about Jesus and his kingdom is revealed, he just invites us to go tell other people. But sometimes we, we look right past it. We brush it aside. We see it as insignificant. The secret that has been waiting from the history of the world to be revealed to mankind, and we walk right by it. We ignore it. It's a long time to keep a secret, Jesus. But Jesus was not what they expected. And these stories that he tells do not exactly go how they expect. Sometimes when I'm telling my kids stories, I'll change up the storyline, right? Like there was a kid and there was a dragon and the the dragon came. And of course, at this point, my kids' eyes are big, right? In the story, the dragon came and what they're expecting is, and the prince drew his sword and he slayed the dragon. And sometimes I'll just switch it up to see if they're listening. And the dragon ate the kid named Sawyer. (laughs) 
My son will be like, Dad, that's not how that's supposed to go. And the disciples, I think, felt that, felt that way. Uh, Jesus, wait, wait, wait just a second. Um, that's not how this kingdom is supposed to go. That's not how the story is supposed to go, Jesus. You ever feel like doing that with Jesus? Jesus, that's not how this storyline is supposed to go. You're supposed to swoop in and save the day. Like now. Okay, well, now we'll work. Jesus, when? You see, if, if you're like me, sometimes when you come to Jesus, you have this expectation for him, rather than coming to him wondering what his expectations are for you. Our text today is found in Matthew 13, really 31 through 35. I'm going to focus in on 31 through 33. So if you've been here, we've been walking through these parables. None of the imagery here should really surprise you, but I want you to remember in context how the disciples must feel. Again, not everyone who receives this word, the gospel or the kingdom, is going to receive it. Some of them are going to reject it. Some of them will receive it right away, but in the, in the end, they'll turn away. They'll reject it. Jesus, that's not good news. You're right, and in fact, there's an enemy. There's an enemy? Yes, and there's going to be weeds that grow up. Weeds? I don't like weeds. I tried gardening, by the way. It's a funny thing about gardening. Like, you actually have to, like, take care of the garden. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, and so Jesus goes, no, we're going to let the weeds grow right up. You're going to let weeds grow up right up with the wheat. Yeah. So can you imagine how Jesus' disciples, how the crowd's feeling at this point? Jesus, this isn't how the story's supposed to go. Can you imagine how small they feel? Jesus, you're going you're to build a kingdom out of, like, looking around. I mean, I, Peter, he has, like, a temper. Um, James and John, I mean, they do too. But, I mean, really look around us. We don't have any power. We really don't have any, we don't have any money. I mean, Judas, what we have, he has. We have, we have some others who are traveling with us, some benefactors who help, you know, pay the bills. But Jesus, we're really not all that significant. I mean, when you look in comparison to Rome and the, the powers of the world and the size of the world, we're kind of small. Jesus, when you use these words like kingdom, I, I want to believe, but it just seems so, so small. Let me ask you, do you ever feel like the odds are against the kingdom of God in your world? I mean, you look at the culture, you look at the headlines. I try not to. But you look at the headlines and you go, how can God and his kingdom be growing when it looks like the enemy is winning weeds and wheat? Does the culture ever seem too hostile, the powers too powerful, the task too great, and the resources too small? Does the church ever seem unlikely to ever fulfill its full potential to make a significant impact on this side of Indianapolis, let alone in the globe, or even less likely to make a significant impact in your family or your heart. Let me, let me make this personal. Do you ever doubt whether or not God can actually transform your heart? Now, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer because this parable, these two parables really that we're going to talk about, are not really about your potential. We kind of make them about that sometimes. Yeah, you're small. You, you feel small. You feel insignificant. But there's great potential in you. No, this, these parables are actually about the kingdom and God's power, not your power. God's quite frankly okay with you recognizing you don't have much power. You ever feel small in the world? 
Man, flying here, flew into Cincinnati, drove here, flying back home tonight. Flying is one of those things where you realize, I am just one human in a giant mass of humanity. You can feel small. Here's the deal. We need a bigger view of God in order that we can have a better view of, of, of ourselves. And so as we walk through, I want us to look at these parables, these parables in, found in Matthew 13, starting in verse 31. The kingdom of heaven, remember, it's not me, it's the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took. Now, I don't know why he just took one, but in this parable, it's just one. Which a man took, and he planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, and, and to Jesus' audience this was true, it's the smallest of seeds, especially of those they would plant in their gardens. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet it grows. It grows, and it's the largest of garden plants, and it becomes a, a tree. Now, this may be a little bit hyperbolic. I mean, the, the largest mustard trees, bushes, if you will, are five to maybe eight, ten feet tall, depending on who you read and how much they want to stretch it. There's something, something I think, that's a little bit of a secret going on here. But you get the point. Man plants a small seed. Doesn't look like there's much potential. I mean, it's one of those things that if you didn't know what it was, you could kind of brush it aside. You could look right past it. It could go unnoticed. You'd never think twice. You'd just go about your business and on with your life. But this little seed, it grows into the, the largest, he said, of garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. A couple details there we'll deal with in a little bit, but I want to, want to notice these three parts of this parable. Number one, notice this unexpected size. It's unexpectedly small. Uh, second, notice this unexpected growth, this small seed that looks unlikely to do anything, to have nothing in potential, grows into something. And number three, notice its unexpected impact. So as we follow through with those three, notice those three elements also in the second parable here, verse 33. He told them still another parable. Notice this is from the perspective of a woman rather than a man. And in this sense, she is carrying out an ordinary task in the same sense that farming or planting a garden would have been an ordinary, mundane, everyday task. And in this sense, she's making bread. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. Now, in this sense, the, Jesus is using this, I believe, this image in a positive sense. Yeast was used both as a positive and negative metaphor. So sometimes, as we heard in communion today, it's used to talk about the false teaching that infiltrates and gets all in the, the church and the community of God, and it causes us to fall away from him. But in this sense, a positive sense. So it's like yeast the woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour. That's a lot of flour. I looked it up on Amazon last night just because I was curious. You can buy a bag of 60 pounds of flour for $77 on Amazon. In case you're wanting, some of you can pick that up today. So she took and mixed this yeast, small amount of yeast. In fact, I looked on a professional baking website. I, I've never done that before. Weird things that sermon writing makes you do, right? So I looked on a professional baking uh, website to ask, what's the percentage of flour to yeast ratio for the average kind of bread? It's about 1%. So just 1%, a small amount mixed into this large amount of dough, 
But this small amount works all the way through it, mixes all the way through it, and impacts this entire batch of dough until it completely infiltrates and is infused inside of this dough. Notice again, unexpected size, unexpected growth, and unexpected impact. So what's Jesus, what's Jesus saying? Maybe I'd put it this way, in this big idea. The kingdom appears unexpectedly small, but it grows to have an unexpected impact. And I know what that is. You guys are going, well, you just reset what the parable said. Yeah, that's kind of the point. So let's talk about those three aspects, the unexpected size. Seeds are a little bit of a mystery to me. You ever buy a bag of seeds and go, okay, I'm going to plant these, um, and I don't really know if they're going to grow. I'm going to try to make the environment right. Not really a great gardener, some of you, professionals. But really on its own, if I set a seed on my table, it looks like it's just going to sit there. Not much potential, not much significance. There's a mystery to this smallness that describes how Jesus came. The kingdom of heaven is like mustard seed. You might look past it. it. might go unnoticed. And Jesus came as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and they laid him in a manger. And it seemed as if most of the world just kept on going by and about their business, brushing this little birth to the side, looking right past it. Thinking about things, about those who were rulers and kings upon political thrones like Herod the Great. He was raised in a carpenter's home, blue-collar family, really. And, and there's Mary. They knew Mary's story, or at least the rumors of Mary's story. Mustard seed. He had common fishermen for disciples. I mean, tax collectors, but I mean, who's counting? Well, they are. Um, and so in that sense, some of you got it. And so in that sense, the kingdom, again, is small. His primary ministry wasn't in the big cities, small villages. I was just there this last summer. Many missed it. Jesus, that is. They missed him. Oh, sure, he did things that they expected of the Messiah, uh, like you multiply bread for the, for the people, uh, even help heal those who were sick. But for the most part, he just seemed too small. His kingdom just seemed too insignificant. He wasn't what they expected, and so they just brushed him aside and moved on with their life. I wonder if you ever... Have you ever actually approached Jesus this way? Too many other things going on, too many significant things going on in, in your life and in your world to just kind of subtly move Jesus to the side. Do you ever, do you ever feel that, that you're just too small for God to be able to make an impact? I mean, God can't use me. I'm too young. God can't use me. I'm too old. It's funny how the excuses are on all sides of the spectrum. God can't use me. I don't have enough. God can't use me. I don't know enough. And God goes, here's the problem. You started each of those sentences with God can't. When you start a sentence with God can't, you're practice, practically an atheist. 
Because you're saying that God can't do something even though you're not. I know you're not, he says, but I am. And in this expectation of the kingdom, the reality is, is this parable is not so much about our potential or about the potential of those fishermen or even about the potential of the church. It is about the potential of Jesus the King and the fact that he chooses to work. It's a mystery, really, a secret, really, that he chooses over and over and over again to work in the small, what seems like the insignificant people like you, churches like you, colleges like Ozark, people like us, people like me. God, use me even though, because you are. There's potential in small, because there's potential in God. And God takes what is small, and he begins to grow it. I mean, I can't force seed to grow. I can give it the right environment. But God has somehow created in seed. He has designed in seed that it will grow if you give it the right environment. It's a mystery, really. I served 10 years just down the road in Monticello, Illinois, on the other side of Champaign-Urbana. I'm not a farm kid. I'm from Colorado. We grow rocks in Colorado. And, and one of the things that was always amazing to me is I, I would be running around the fields. I would go running oftentimes early in the morning. And this time of year, a little bit later than this, as, as the fields were plowed and as, I don't even know all the terminology, this is pathetic, right? As, as the seeds were sown and, and as the, the plants begin to, always corn, soybeans, always corn, soybeans, right? As they begin to grow and those fields turn green, there's, there's a mystery to plants growing, Something small and simple, but profound. Our God is good. But it can just seem so ordinary. We can run right by it every day, brush it to the side and not look at it, not notice it, just go about on our business, about on our life. That's how this growth seems to happen in both of these parables. Can I use a word for the unexpected growth? Ordinary. Maybe even slow. Maybe that's not how you expect God to work in your life. You became a, a, a follower of Christ. You accepted Christ. And you thought that just right away he was going to transform your life completely. But no, God tends to. Now, sometimes he does. But God tends to, like, plant seeds of faith in you and let them grow and germinate and mature over time. And you go, come on, come on, come on already. I want to be patient. Oh, wait. <laughs> Gee, seems my humor, I'm sorry. And, and, and in this sense, we, we expect at times the kingdom to be like that as well. The kingdom in us, the kingdom in our church. And God goes, no, no, no. I, I tend to work somewhat mysteriously. It reminds me what happens every time the grandparents, these would be my parents or the in-laws, um, which I said that really negatively. The in-laws, right? You got to go up when you say in-laws. So the in-laws, every time that they come in, in fact, you have your parents coming in here soon. Every time they come home, they'll, they'll, the same thing happens. My kids run to them, the grandparents look at them, and everyone completely ignores us. They don't, they're not there to see us. It's a great thing, to be honest, because all of a sudden it's like, hey, wife, I know you, right? And so in this moment, the same thing happens every time, even if it's only been a month. My. You know the rest? How you've grown. Now, I know my kids are growing because I'm paying for their groceries. My son eats three breakfasts every morning, then he goes to school and eats the free breakfast they give him there. Not even joking, he's eight years old. Pray for us, right? 
But here's the thing, I don't notice them growing. God tends to grow his kingdom like that, slow and gradual. Can we admit that sometimes God's process of transformation can seem ordinary? I mean, you come to church, and it just seems like a mundane habit, rhythm that you have in your life, really, and sometimes you question whether or not it's helping you grow at all. You try to read your Bible, and, and you know that this is something that, will, that God has said is going to be seeds planted in your, your heart, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow, but, but sometimes it just seems so ordinary, and if you're just not on stage, sometimes maybe boring. The, the growth that the word sprouts in you can seem to go by unnoticed. And so we, we at times push it aside. Look over it really, just look past it. And so we neglect, and this is not, don't hear this as a, you better be at church on Sunday, you better be in Sunday school, but let me say this, you need it. You need to be in the Word. And whether that's in a program or with people or in your own study, don't just brush it aside because sometimes, yeah, it feels ordinary. God's kingdom grows that way. Do you ever underestimate the role of the church? I mean, I know your story because I've listened in the past few weeks. I've read some of the, even the materials out in the lobby. God has done incredible things here. But do you ever, do you ever kind of look back and say, man, he's done great things, but I'm not so sure what's ahead yet? See, it's funny to me because we can look at parables like this and we can look back on history and go, Jesus, you were right. That little seed became a massive kingdom of followers. And the thing is we can look back and go, Jesus, you were right. And then we could turn around and doubt whether or not he could do it again in us. Where they could do it again in the environment we live in and the culture we live in. We had a family in our church when I was a preaching minister, again in Illinois, who moved away. They, they worked for Caterpillar, moved away for a couple years, lived in London. When they came back to our church, they did the same thing that grandparents do. They came back to our church and they said, wow, this place is different. And like a parent, I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's the same problems, the same people. And, and in, in that sense, just like a parent, not able to see the growth because it was so ordinary. Trust God that he will grow in you when you're faithful to him, his kingdom. So do you keep giving? Do you keep serving? Do you keep teaching the fifth grade boys? That's what I teach on Wednesday nights, pray for me. Do you keep leading? Do you keep trusting that God can take your faithfulness and he can work through it and grow through it and do something significant, not because of your power or even, or even your preparation, but because of his own spirit and his own power and his own work. I remember praying the prayer, God, go where I can't go, do what I can't do, speak to people I can't speak to, influence where I can't influence, God, change who I can't change, heal who I can't heal, counsel who I can't counsel. God, this is your kingdom, not mine. So let me talk about this third aspect for just a moment, the unexpected impact. At first glance, you don't expect seeds or yeast to make an impact. We've already said that. The, the mustard seed, Jesus said, is of the smallest. The yeast is of a smallest amount. And yet, notice what Jesus does in both of these. Scholars talk about this, and, and maybe you're not interested in what scholars think about this text, but I do find it interesting. The mustard seed becomes not just a bush, but Jesus heightens the image and says, no, it's a tree. 
That causes me in Jesus' teaching to sometimes go, what are you doing there? And maybe with a wink, Jesus goes, there's a secret here for you. Because there's an Old Testament, a few actually, Old Testament images. And it's debated whether this is what Jesus is doing. But if, you, if you're in the Old Testament enough, you start to hear some of the echoes and you go, huh, it's a mystery. But I think Jesus is doing what he said he was going to do. In the Old Testament, there are these images of giant trees, cedar trees. And it's, it's a picture, it's an image of the messianic kingdom, the king's kingdom. And in these Old Testament images, birds come and nest, the nations come and nest, they dwell, they live in this kingdom. Not just those who were Jewish in, in descent, but also all of the nations come and dwell. I think one of the things Jesus is, is saying is this, yeah, this little small seed, it's going to grow up not just into like the bush you expect, but to a tree and the nations are going to come dwell. It's going to be an impact far beyond what you can imagine. I think he does that. Here's the second part with the yeast. Again, just this small amount of yeast. But why 60 pounds of flour? I mean, this, I, I've never made, I've, I've made bread before. My daughter actually has her own baking kind of side business. We've sold bread on campus. It's easy to sell homemade bread to college students, right? And so um, we take advantage of that as often as we can. We raise money for church camp. And so she's making bread, but we never use 60 pounds of flour. So again, scholars go, what's going on here? Did you know that this amount of bread is likely the amount that you would make if you were to have a feast? In fact, the estimates are that it would be a feast for 100 people, bread for a, enough for 100 people. One of the images about the Messiah's kingdom is that he would, he would feed them. Thus, the feeding of the 5,000. I, I don't know, but there's enough of an echo, enough of a mystery, enough of a secret for me to look at these two parables and go, Jesus is expanding them out even bigger than we thought. There's an unexpected impact of these small elements of the kingdom where they grow to become this kingdom where nations come and dwell in safety and nest, where people who are longing for a home come and dwell and find a home and find a king, where those who are hungry they come and they find food where it's food where it's, it's the bread of life. I think Jesus is saying this kingdom is going to have an unexpected impact. Don't underestimate Jesus' kingdom in our world. It's potential even though it appears small. It's power to transform because it's certain. Because he is king of kings and he is lord of lords. But here's the thing. I'm afraid that sometimes, maybe because we're too busy, maybe because there's other things that seem more significant, that we can at times just brush this all aside and go about our day on Time Change Sunday. Why do I think that's the most significant part of this parable? I've not noticed it before. Down in chapter 13, verse 53, the context, later on, it says this. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogues, planting seeds, really. And they were amazed. Where did this man get these miraculous, this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked. Notice what they said. Isn't this the carpenter's son? 
Isn't his mother named Mary? Aren't these his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters here with us? Where then did this man get these things? And they took offense at him. Notice, notice what's saying. He was just too small for them. And this word they took offense is they stumbled over him. It's the word we get our word scandal. It's actually used up above when it talks about the rocky soil that falls away, the seeds fall away, the faith falls away. Here's the irony. Right after Jesus tells these parables, we have people who brush Jesus aside, look right past him. So can I tell you a secret as I close today? You all do exactly what my kids do. You all naturally did it. I said, can I tell you a secret? You all went, oh, I'm turning back into the sermon today. Before you all came in, a few of us prayed over each of the places where you were sitting, and as we did, we dropped a mustard seed on every one of your chairs. Some of you noticed it. Some of you were in on the secret because someone couldn't keep secrets. By the way, we're not supposed to keep this secret. The secret of Jesus, that is. In fact, I actually want you to keep the secret about us putting mustard seeds on the chair for next service. But if you can find one of those mustard seeds, there's actually some up here on the front. Um, pray for your custodial staff. Um, if you can find one of those seeds, I think I actually have one here in my pocket in the midst of probably some pocket lint. I encourage you to take this with you today. And don't tell the people coming in next service. In fact, if you can help us, um, maybe even pick some of those up and put them back on the chairs for the service next service. I want you to recognize that this morning you did exactly what we have seen the people do in this text. That because it was so small, you just did your thing, sat in your chair, sang, sat, took communion. Obviously, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for missing this seed. But I do want it to teach you. I, I do want to not only teach you, but also to realize that it's a little bit of a test. What I don't want you to do is to miss Jesus and his potential to work in your life and through your life in his kingdom. So take this seed and let it represent in faith the fact that God can do something amazing and impactful through even someone like you. There's a couple decisions we want to encourage you to consider this morning, and we'll sing as we do that. But one of those is to actually ask the question, have I ever, have I ever acknowledged that Jesus is the king and invited him into my life and made the decision to follow him? Have I ever surrendered myself in baptism to follow him, to, to ask him to wash my sins so that I can, I can have the hope of life in him? I want him to start. It's like a new birth, like a seed. Or maybe you need prayer. God, come and work in my life and some of the difficulties and things I have going on. God, I trust you that you are powerful even when I am powerless. 
If you want to make one of those decisions, there's going to be uh, several of the leaders who will be up here to hear you on those. If you ever just even have questions, God, what do you want to do in me? You also may know that back in the back in our next step area, uh, that you're invited to just, again, chat with some of the leaders about what God may want to do in your life. I want to pray for you, and then we'll stand and we'll sing. Father, thank you for these small stories that have such a significant impact. God, Jesus, our master teacher, is also our king. And his kingdom sometimes is right, right underneath of us, right under our nose, right under the radar. But God, it's growing, always growing, always changing and transforming and healing and bringing life into this broken and dark world. So God, Jesus, Jesus isn't always what we expect. Even his death was... On a cross was not expected, and yet, God, it was exactly what we needed. So we thank you. And Father, may we live like him and live for him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand together as we sing?